Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you so much, Dennis. It's, it's great to be with you and, and with all of your listeners. Hey, before, I, before I go any further, let me just say congratulations on the success of the show, man. I mean, in... In just a short period of time, you have just rocketed to the top. And, you know, as, as my friend, your friend uh, and mentor, John Maxwell, says, everything rises and falls on leadership. And so congratulations to you and your entire team. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And look, hey, I've got to say to you as well that over the years that you've helped, helped, there, helped me be there for me and supported me and believed in me. And so it's, it's just great. And you know, at times I just think that a lot of the things that come out of me and what I share with people, it's, it's the, the insights and wisdom that you've shared with me and uh, so thanks for doing that. So, Paul, I've just shared with the listeners a little bit about your background. Is there anything else that you want to add to tell us more about your background? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's, it, it, it's interesting in that, you know, my, my, my story, if you look at the first half of my story, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a loser's journey, right? It's, it's, it's a story of just just struggle you know I, I because of my speech impediment at a very early age I was late learn you know is labeled as learning disabled I I wasn't learning disabled until they programmed that into my mind and then you know I did what most people do I, I lived what I believed right and so I fell out of school I landed a dead-end job but there was always within me this this small voice that that would speak life to me that would speak hope to me and thank God, uh, I would listen to it. And at 22, I started my first uh, commercial cleaning company and got my first uh, business mentor and really went to work on me, understanding why I was doing the things I didn't want to do, getting the results that I didn't want to get. And, uh, and, 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 and I learned how to change those things. And I learned how to change my inner image and my, and my core belief system. I've gone on to build uh, five multi-million dollar businesses. Those companies have done over a half a billion dollars in revenue. I've been able to travel all, all over the world. And wow. so if I could share one thing is, is that, you know, if a high school dropout can, 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 can change their life and lead major organizations, anyone really can. You just have to have the willingness to do the work necessary, right? Hmm. Yeah, because it just doesn't come naturally to some or just doesn't get given to somebody. You have to work at it. And when you say work at it, you know, discipline, what you're talking about, is it a work ethic? Well, what is it that you, when you say they have to work at it? What, what do you mean by that? 
what I mean by that is, is that we can't afford the luxury of a negative thought to go unchallenged. And so, you know, at any given time in our life, we desire to be and do and have more. We make great declarations of change. We're going to lose weight. We're going to start a business. We're going to, we're going to buy a new house, whatever it is. And yet there's some invisible boundary that, that we just can't break through. There's some force that internally speaks to us and says, who do you think you are? Like, how are you going to do that? What makes you think you're good enough? And so what I mean by working at it is standing up to that inner judge. Eric Hoffer, who wrote the book True Believers, he said that no matter what our achievements may be in life, we think well of ourselves only in rare moments. That we have within us an inner judge that keeps a book of all of our shortcomings, all of our transgressions, and all of our failures. And that we need other people to convince us that we're not as bad as we really think we are. And so for me, I think the voice we need to listen to is, is, is that internal guidance system of truth that I truly believe. I'm a person of faith. I think that God instills in all of us that knows our truth, that knows our potential. And, and it's, it's when, when that voice of judgment that voice of doubt begins to rear its ugly head in the pursuit of our dream, in the pursuit of our leadership, we can't simply back down. We must stand up to the schoolyard bully in our subconscious mind. And we, we have, you know, life is a fight for territories and we have to fight for every single inch of our potential. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I, and I think when you're sharing that, Paul, uh, I know you talked about the, 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 you know, the study that you had. And, and I was sharing with you earlier on that the journey that I've gone through with the voice, and I think a lot of that's come from myself not have been true to myself in the sense of going out and doing my own business rather than being in this large corporate in the world where I was having a whole lot of fun and doing a whole lot of stuff and having some really good impact. And there's so many other leaders out there today, entrepreneurs, leaders in other roles, teams, people who need my help rather than just being in one organization. And I think a lot of what I actually went through was to push me to go out and do what I needed to go and do. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, in our lives, we are either, you know, guided by the feather or we're, you know, hit with the two by four, right? I mean, uh, (laughs) right. I mean, we, we at times have desire, you know, something emerging from our soul, uh, you know, a mental model of perfection that we want to bring forward in our lives. And it comes to us as this gentle nudge that says, start the business, you know, go and, uh, you know, pursue your dream. And if we ignore that, sooner or later, you know, uh, the, the universe has a way of kind of turning up the turning up the heat. Sometimes, hey, sometimes it's in the form of a diagnosis. Sometimes it's in the form of a divorce. Sometimes it's a form of, of a bankruptcy. Yep. But here's what I know is that the content of our life, the content of our life, the very conditions and circumstances we find ourselves in at any given moment in time, the content of our life is the curriculum of our evolution. It is our, it is, it is our dark night of the soul conditions and circumstances where all of our growth and all of our awareness of our internal resources come from. Wow. Wow. Awesome. That is just tremendous. And Paul, I know that you know, the, the show here is, it's, the name of the show is called Leadership is Changing. What you've just been sharing there and about what people think about and what's going on the inside of us and, and so forth 
leadership is changing. What, what does that mean to you when I say that statement? And how what you've been saying just now, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be struggling uh, in their thoughts and internally at the moment. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, it, you know, it was um, Maxwell Maltz, the great um, plastic surgeon who wrote the phenomenal book in the 1960s that I know you're familiar with, Dennis's Psycho-Cybernetics, uh, where he says that a person never outperforms their own self-image. And boy, don't we see that in leadership today? You know, we've got insecure leadership everywhere we look, and that insecurity shows up in their decisions or the lack thereof. It, it shows up in, in their character. We just never outperform our own self-image. And, and it's a shame because we have before us both you know, the, the greatest opportunities and the greatest challenges. And you know, if, if, we, if we can get some leaders that, that could stand in their truth of who and whose they are and who could stand for other people and, and guide the way, the, the the world could, could could be transformed into truly the utopia that I think we we all know is ca- that, that we're capable of living in. We are, in fact, you know, at any given time, our our own worst enemy. I'm uh, a historian, not a technologist by by <laughs> by background. Uh, I I just sort of I, I took the the arts. Uh, was actually you know really keen on the arts and music. Uh, spent the first. I guess ten years of my career working in music and video business, um, not brilliantly successfully. Had my own record label, um, did some um, did some other sort of stuff. Working for Export and ended up working for dot com companies. Had a great time. Travelled the world, uh, and then of course the the initial dot com boom went bust, and um, found myself looking for work and I fell into working in technology uh, that was supporting people with dyslexia. I was living in Cambridge at at the time and um, I went and and had three weeks work which turned into nine years. Um, So I I went for a short-term project and ended up working for uh, this company for nine years and they specialized in, in producing technology for to help people with dyslexia, specific learning difficulties and other people with disabilities and I, I developed a real passion for technology during this time because when I grew up I, I, I had you know I used technology a little bit but I was just on the cusp of that generation where you you used it every day and it was in the education system so I went through my degree without you know without computers uh, which would you know probably be your experience too but my sister who's only a few years younger than me you know talk computers in school, use them in, in uni, all the rest of it. So for me, actually finding that I could use a computer was a downstream conversion. Dyslexia runs in the family. I'm I'm dyslexic and, and ADHD. So I just sort of fell into my niche. It was you know, it's one of those jobs where you you don't grow up thinking, you know what, I want to be an assistive technologist because it didn't exist when I when I was growing up. But that's actually, you know, I'm I'm I love doing what I do because technology has this amazing power to include people. So about 10 years ago this week, because it's my 10th work anniversary in my current continuous employment, I went and joined Siemens IT Solutions, working on the BBC account, providing assistive tech to them. Siemens IT got bought by Atos and I've been there and we've been sort of developing what, what we do 
over over that decade and uh, now I'm globally responsible for sort of all of the sort of disability inclusion piece and particularly the technology wrapper around that so both for our employees but also you know how we deal with stakeholders you know reporting back to our board doing all of the stuff for our customers as well so um and and then outside of that can't get enough of it so i started this twitter chat with uh with a colleague and and, and a friend uh deborah root who's out in the states we run that every week it's uh it's been rolling for nearly six years so I'm used to doing podcasts. We've got about 200 videos out there, and and yeah, a large community of people around the globe that are sort of committed to making the world better, either through their actions or through technology. Yeah, great. And and so when you talked about before about the passion and that, and then the technology has really helped you bring that out. Well, what what has probably been one of the biggest things? You know, there's probably been many, right? Um, but what what would be one of the things that was probably one of the biggest? sort of achievements that you've seen somebody going from some situation to another one and done really, really well? And how has technology helped them do that? Uh, well, we provide technology that, that gives people fundamental access to computing and therefore fundamental access to jobs and participation in society. You know, so uh, we, we work with people who are blind and you know, provide them with screen readers and, and text-to-speech technology. I use speech recognition system so my mba i did using assistive tech which was great i dictate a lot of the stuff that the my longer pieces of text of course i can type i can read that's one of the myths about this lecture but it's easier and you you uh, access a higher vocabulary if if you're talking yeah much easier mm. to talk. so I, I dictated most of my stuff so that's that's the technology for me that that really made a big difference. That and um, Microsoft Outlook, <laughs> just because the other part of, of, of me is ADHD, uh, and so ADHD and dyslexia equals abysmal poor, uh, abysmally poor time management, and like so, you just ha- either have no focus or hyper focus, and that means uh, that without technology, there would have been no chance of me turning up to record this interview with you online. Yeah, great. Yeah, so it's just amazing to see how technology has really, really helped you, but it also helps others as well as an enabler, as an enabler to really get out there and do what you need to do, and, mm-hmm. and which is really great to see. And um, actually, you know, I, I know of somebody who actually used the dictating side of things to write a book, in fact, several books that he's, he's written, which is really good. And, and what he does is because he's stuck in traffic, he actually will talk, and then it's actually you know dictating and actually typing, and uh, it's coming up with the words, and then so he just needs to review it and gives it to the editor, and they make it look great, and then uh, he's away, which is all good. So yeah, good. hey, um, here's a question for you because I've got a few of them, yeah. and uh, one of the questions I've got for you is, I know you've probably got several, but who's your favourite leader? Now this person could be alive or from history, so who's your favourite leader and why? Okay, so. I'm not going to go for history. I'm going to go for someone current, and her name is Caroline Casey. She's the founder of the Valuable 500, um, and that organization is one that, that Atos are members of. Uh, it was founded to put disability on the leadership agenda, and it's a, a, a CEO-led movement. So she's backed by Paul Polman, who is the former CEO and chairman of Unilever, and 
Caroline's absolutely nuts in the best possible way. I consider her a great friend, but she started the whole thing by um, riding a horse across Colombia to arrive on stage at One Young World, which is like the junior Davos, to launch this thing. And 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 to give it a bit of context, Caroline's visually impaired, but uh, hasn't actually sort of let that stop her. In fact, it it powers her forward. So she's brought together hundreds of CEOs to to really make a difference because actually what we're seeing right now is that governments aren't the ones making the difference you know maybe in new zealand where you are you've got responsible politicians but around the world we don't have them there's a there's a a lack of of responsibility and leadership in politics whereas i think that there is certainly the, the the opportunity for leadership in business and that's really one of the things that keeps me working for large organizations is that that we can leverage our our procurement power to make a difference because the yeah internationally you can you can do stuff as large organizations and so caroline's un- understood that and understood the the multiplier effect of that and has through the force of her personality brought hundreds of global ceos together and engaged World Economic Forum, Nippon Foundation, to, to create this vehicle for change. Amazing. So, so she's the person that I have the most admiration for. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.